Before we get to today's episode, I want to ask you guys for a big favor. If you could leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere else, it goes a long way. It helps other people find the show and it lets us know that we're doing something right. Okay, let's get to today's episode. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. What's up, guys? JD here. Welcome to the show. I want to talk to you today about a few things I wish I knew 10 years ago. And I know this is kind of a cliche episode because I'm going to do you know five things I wish I knew when I started. But the truth is, a lot of these things are actually really, really tactical. Things that if you're new in your career and your professional life, are going to be really helpful for you. And if you're already into your professional life and you're already working on things, these are going to reinforce maybe beliefs that you have, or maybe I'll say something that you never even thought was true. Maybe you disagree with me and that's cool. But I'm going to tell you five things I wish I knew, truths that I believe today that I wouldn't have thought 5, 10, 15 years ago. Let me go ahead and start with a big one. This is one that I think a lot of us get wrong and a lot of us think about in different ways. And I'm going to tell you what my experience has been. And that is, timing is everything. Now, I will say in business, I actually do think timing is everything. I just think we all get a sense of timing wrong. People think of these timelines for things in very compressed periods. And the reality is, you might feel like you're working fast and getting a lot done and things are changing quickly, which maybe it feels like that. But in reality, trends, innovations, eras that we play in, they actually take a long time to unfold. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So when I started in the influencer marketing business, it was around 2012. It was probably even earlier than that. Like 2011, I started taking notice of people creating content on YouTube, doing shopping hauls, building audiences, building fan bases. And I remember that feeling I had in 2011, especially because I heard rumblings of these multi-channel networks that were forming out in Hollywood in 2012, 13. And I remember just having this this feeling as I was building my, my business, which became Influicity eventually. I remember this feeling like, Oh, I'm late. I got to get a move on. I got to rush because all these players are ahead of me. And I remember that feeling vividly. I remember it like it was yesterday, looking at the headlines and seeing this company raised money and that company hired this big person and this company got this big client on board. And here I was toiling away in my apartment trying to get something off the ground. And it just felt like all these companies were passing me by in this world of influencer marketing. And then it was 2014, 15, 16. And finally, I was raising a bit of money. I was starting to build my company. And I remember there were a bunch of exits, a bunch of companies that had started in like 2012, 13, sold. And I had this pit in my stomach one day. I remember I was on the, I was on the subway and I was reading a headline about a company that had just sold for some huge amount of money. And I had this pit in my stomach thinking, Oh crap, I missed it. Right? Like the timing is now done. My timing is off. Here I was starting something five years ago. And now it's done and I've missed the train. And fast forward 2018, 19, the creator economy really starts to emerge in a whole new form. 2020, 2021, 2022. And all of a sudden, it feels like we're back at the beginning. Like 
the word creator economy is kind of new and exciting. And you see all these different use cases, all these new people coming online, becoming creators, becoming entrepreneurs in their own right through the creator economy. I almost feel like it's been 10 years that I've been in this business. And when I started, I felt like I was late to the game and I had to hurry up. And then a few years in, I felt like I had missed the train and I should maybe give up. And now here we are a few years later, and I feel like we're basically at the beginning again. And so the reason I I share the story is because I want you to understand, yes, timing is important, but innovations and changes happen in waves. And so even though the first wave comes and goes, and then there's a second wave and it comes and goes, and then all the innovators that were sort of involved in the first wave innovate in the third and fourth leg of that wave. It's almost like you see these people who, in the early days of the internet, in the late 90s and early 2000s, they built things and they all went bust. And a lot of those same people in 2005 and 7 and 9 and 12 built new things. And those things did quite well. And in the meantime, you know, they probably built a bunch of stuff that didn't do well at all. And many of them have, are onto their third wave at this point. And so I guess the point I want to make about timing is, yes, timing exists and timing is important, but time is long. And when you're on the inside, it feels like things are rushing. But once you take a more, once you take an outsider's look, you start to realize, wait a second, this is a long game. I have a ways to go. I don't need to be in such a hurry because there is time. The next point I want to talk about is people. And here's what I want to say about people. People are everything. People are so critical to a company and to the success of any team in any endeavor. But the flip side of that is that people are totally replaceable. All people, all the time, from the very top founder CEO right down to the very bottom intern, everybody is replaceable. And again, this is coming from someone who firmly believes that people are everything. The success or failure of your company will be 80-85% at least based on the quality of the people that you have, the quality of the, of the bums in the seats. That's what qualifies you for success or failure. So why do I say that people are totally replaceable at the same time as I say people are everything? The reason is this. I've had so many occasions over the course of building my businesses where people that I thought were integral to the success of my company left so many times. Like literally, I'm talking dozens of times, dozens of times. People that I would have said, oh, that person is a phenomenal salesperson. They are going to be the make or break of our sales team. Or that person is a phenomenal developer. Their technology expertise, they're going to be the make or break. That person is a phenomenal ops person. They're going to take us to success. This person is a phenomenal engineer. This person is phenomenal customer service. This person is phenomenal at HR, at finance, whatever it is. And then that person goes because a lot of time people leave. They move on to other opportunities. And you find someone that's just as good or better in different ways. They bring things to the table the other people didn't have. Or they bring a skill that you didn't need two years ago and you desperately need today. And you didn't even know it until you brought somebody in that had the skill. And you say to yourself, my God, how did we get by without that skill? Right? You didn't even realize how deficient you were until you had the uh, impetus, the trigger to fill the position. And then boom, oh my Lord, how did we get by without you? And the reason I want to tell you this is because as an entrepreneur, you will have people come and you will have people go. And it can be a gut blow. It can be a punch in the stomach 
when someone that you invested so much time and energy and you thought they were going to be with you for 5, 10, 15 years, you thought they were your ride or die, or maybe you just really like their work and you thought that they were happy in their job and you have no idea why they want to move on. And you think, oh my Lord, now I got to replace them. Here's the reality. As good as everybody is, everybody is replaceable. And I say that and I hope this is something else here. I hope that that extends to the founder, CEO of the company. Now, here's the deal. In the very early days of a business, the visionary, which typically will be the founder slash CEO or the founder slash whatever title that person holds, the visionary actually is essential in the very early days, right? Much like when a woman is pregnant with a baby, the fetus cannot survive without the mother. So, you know, in that respect, yes, you need a host for that bug to grow on, right? You can't have a virus without a host, so to speak. In this case, yes, a business absolutely needs a visionary at the very beginning. But once that business is up and running, you've done something wrong. That CEO is not running that company as it should be run. Because once a business is up and running, you absolutely should be able to replace the CEO with an equally competent person with a bit of time for integration and that business to just keep on running. So everybody is replaceable in every business from the very bottom to the very top. And my last point there is that when you find great people, fight hard to keep them. All right, the third point I want to make here is that best practices change every five to 10 years. And sometimes it could be even faster than that. Sometimes, depending on what you're doing, it might be every two to three years. Sometimes it might be, I don't think it goes past 10 years, but might be three years, might be seven years, might be eight years, might be four years, might be one year. And what do I mean when I say best practices? Well, I've had a lot of experience because I started as an entrepreneur when I was very young. And I had the experience of hiring people that were much older than me. And I put a lot of faith into those people. So I would be, let's say, 21 years old, hiring somebody who was 34, had been working in an industry for 15 years, had a lot of experience in that industry. I put a lot of trust in them. And then I realized that a lot of the practitioner tactics that they were bringing to the table were stale. They were old. They were rooted in, in what worked 10 years ago, 12 years ago, not in what worked today. And me, as someone who was young and coming up and had a really good sense of my industry, I was always very, very good at media. Having an understanding of that was actually better than somebody who had been in the business for 14, 15, 16 years. Best practices change. What worked years ago does not necessarily work today. And the people that were doing it years ago and are still doing it may very well be stuck in their ways. You hope people learn and change and grow and educate themselves and re-educate themselves over time. But a lot of people, once they have an, a monicum of success, they get stuck in their ways. And so relying on someone who's been in the business for a lot longer than you is not always the way to go. Now, there are exceptions. There are people who constantly retrain or constantly upping their game. And what they know, combining their experience with their upskilling, is a killer combination. So in those cases, yes, maybe I would trust those people. Having somebody who's very, very new in the business, but doing it for two or three years is very hungry and actually has all the very, very current knowledge, I've often found is the better way to go. Because not only do they have current knowledge and experience and best practices, but they're still hungry and they're still raving to go. 
Quick break here while I tell you about something really exciting I've been working on called the Business Essentials Kit. Here's the deal. I get asked all the time, John, how do you run your business effectively? What's the best way to build a website? How do I get a branded email? How do I save on legal fees? How do I manage my social media? So what I've done is I put a kit together for you for free. You can download it at johndavids.com with all the tools and services that I use to run my business. Get it right now for free at johndavids.com. I can tell you, I've had in sales, for example, I've had salespeople that I've hired that have a lot of experience in a certain side of the media business. And then you bring them into what we do in the media business and it just doesn't translate because the skills they bring to the table don't translate and they never took the time to upskill. They never took the time to actually figure out what works. So that's what I mean when I say best practices change and I wouldn't rely on what someone tells you worked 5, 10, 15 years ago. Same, same is true in marketing, by the way. If you were trying to build a business and the marketing tactic that you were using today was like search engine optimization, search engine marketing, we're going to put all of our dollars and cents into that. Cool. But then you would totally miss what's going on with social media. You wouldn't be on TikTok. You wouldn't be on Instagram. You wouldn't be on Snapchat. You wouldn't be on Facebook. You wouldn't be monetizing or figuring out the arbitrage opportunity on Instagram Reels. right? So yes, what worked 10, 12, 15 years ago might have some bearing today. And if a person did something 15 years ago and they've kept up to date on the trends, maybe they are up to date right now. But don't rely on that. Because in my experience, unfortunately, that's most often not the case. All right, number four. People, when they're building businesses, tend to get really stuck on the idea. The idea, the idea, the idea, the best idea. It's so innovative. It's so cool. It's so original. Isn't that unique? Let me tell you something. When it comes to a business, if an entrepreneur is telling me about how phenomenal their idea is, and that's why it's going to win, and that's basically where they put 90% of their attention, I stop listening. I stop caring because you have no idea what you're doing. Ideas are important, but ideas are a dime a dozen. And so many of the best businesses, the best businesses are not built on the best ideas. They're built on the best execution. They're built on the best business model. They're built on the best distribution strategy. They're built on the best sourcing strategy. They're built on the best logistics strategy. They're built on the best sales channel strategy. They're built on the best marketing strategy. They're built on the best traffic arbitrage strategy, right? There is so much more that goes into it than just a great idea. If I told you some of the biggest businesses that exist today, Apple, Walmart, Think about all the biggest businesses that exist today that are outside of technology for a second. I'm not talking, yes, you can make the argument Google was an innovation, but search engines didn't exist before Google. So like, yes, they kind of invented the modern search engine. Phenomenal. Great. But then take Walmart. Walmart's just a store. It's just a retailer, right? What was Walton's great innovation? A hundred things. Lower prices, better sourcing, better inventory management, better distribution, killer distribution. Walmart's distribution centers were absolutely the most innovative things in the world. Better e-commerce experience, better labor experience, better labor arbitrage, figuring out who to hire, how to hire them, better location strategy, better footprint, much bigger stores. Like There's so many things that go into what makes Walmart a great company and a great business. And none of them have to do with the fact that it's a mind-bending, amazingly innovative idea. It's just a store. That's all it is. And there are so many businesses I can think of 
from dental offices to car washes. There's so much out there, education companies, right? They're just better executed businesses. And the idea is very straightforward, right? Now, I'm not saying to you right now, don't come up with a great idea. Great ideas are worth something, but they're not worth everything. And every time you see these entrepreneurs that bank their entire existence on a killer idea as though that's going to take them over the edge, guess what? An idea with nothing else built around it, none of the other things I mentioned, is probably not going to do that well. All right, let's round this out. The fifth thing that I wish I knew 10 years ago that could possibly make the next 5, 10 years of your life way, way easier, way, way better you have to be so damn selective with the business that you choose to be in. If you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner, especially if you're early on, early on, midway on, it doesn't actually matter. But if you're early on, you'll save yourself a bunch of time. You've got to be so selective with what you choose to put your time into. And I want you to think about it like this for a second. If you are an investor, think about all the venture capitalists, all the private equity, all the hedge funds out there. If you go to their websites, they will be so specific about what they invest in, right? We invest in digital companies that have at least $5 million in EPIDA that operate in these geographies that have these type of teams that are built on this particular technology stack, on and on and on, or a whole different type of focus. We invest only in manufacturing facilities that are based in Asia, that have at least uh, capacity to make 15 different SKUs, blah, blah, blah. Right? Everyone has their focus. Everyone has their moat. Why do you think investment firms focus so much? Right? If you came to an investment firm that invested in tech, only tech, and you came to them with a great retail business that was growing like wildfire, and you said, hey, you should invest in this business. We're profitable. We're growing fast. We're the number one in the retail space. You should invest in us. And that tech investor is going to say, no, we don't do that. We do what we do, only what we do. Here's the reason. Because they figured out what they do better than anybody else. And they know that as long as they stick to that, they're going to win way more than they lose. And they've also figured out a whole bunch of little things, little tiny things that they are better at than everybody else. And then you have entrepreneurs that think of any wild idea, or they think of the business that they happen to like, hey, I really like painting. Hey, I really like dogs. Hey, I really like cooking. Hey, I like travel. And then they just go into that business. Right? It's like, I like travel. I'm going to start a travel business. Or I like dogs. I'm going to start a pet care business. Without taking the time to fundamentally assess every aspect of that business, And make sure it's a damn good business. Because I don't care if you love it. If it's not a good business, it is not worth your time. And I'm going to give you an example right now. I have a lot of interests. I'm interested in a lot of things. But when it comes to business, I am interested in a very, very select few things. Okay, So I'm going to give you an example right now for me. Not for you, not for anybody else. But what does it have to be to be a business that I'm interested in? A, it has to have recurring revenue. I will not work in a business. I will not work on a business, build a business, invest in a business that doesn't have a recurring revenue or a reoccurring revenue model. It has to serve enterprise or large clients. I don't like dealing with consumers. I like dealing with companies that can drop a hundred grand and then 
As when they're on the way to the car, they can drop another hundred grand without even thinking about it. I like businesses that have durable competitive advantages, not commodity businesses, durable competitive advantages. I like businesses with fat, juicy profit margins. A lot of great businesses out there that operate on razor thin margins. I have a lot of friends that have big companies, razor thin margins. The margins are in the pennies. Every penny you can save, that's where the margins are. Not for me. I like fat margins. I like margins that are juicy and fat and plump and have plenty of room. And finally, I like businesses that are digital or virtual in nature. I've tried the physical product business. I've tried physical goods, e-commerce, all that kind of stuff. Not for me. right? So I just listed off five things that make good businesses in my mind. And so when it comes to a business that I might be interested in building down the road or buying down the road or investing in down the road or whatever it is, I'm not just going to say, Oh, I like that. I'm going to go do it. Or I'm, I'm interested in this industry. I'm going to go do it. If it doesn't check all the boxes, it's not worth my time. Just like every investor out there who you might go to for money one day, or you might, you might have already gone to them for money, are so specific in what they look for. You as an entrepreneur need to be even more specific about what you look for. Because at least an investor can put their money into a basket of opportunities. They can invest in 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 different things, and maybe one or two of them win. Your opportunity is singular. You can only do one good thing well at a time. right? You got one shot at a time. If you're going to put your time in 2, 3, 5, 10 years into something, you better sure as hell make sure that it checks your boxes. And if you're not sure what your boxes are, go figure it out. Go look at a whole bunch of other businesses. And you can try a few. I'm not suggesting it'll be perfect or that your criteria won't change over time. Mine certainly has. But you need to be very selective, really selective about what you put your time into as an entrepreneur. Let me go back and review my five things I wish I knew 5, 10, 15 years ago. Number one, timing is super important, but timing is often a lot longer than you think it is. Number two, people are everything. People will make or break your business. And also, people are totally replaceable. Number three, best practices change every 5 or 10 years, maybe even faster than that. So be careful when you take advice from someone who's been in a business for a very long time. Experience counts, but best practices counts too. And they might have changed, and the other person might not know it. Number four, Great ideas are important, but they are one fraction of what make a great business. There is so much else that goes into a great business. And number five, be selective about your business opportunities. I want to know what you guys think of this. Let me know on Twitter. I'm at Real John Davids, R-E-A-L-J-O-N-D-A-V-I-D-S. You can get me on LinkedIn at John Davids. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at John underscore Davids. Follow me on social. Let me know what you think. I'll talk to you guys next time.